0: And as I kick off this series, Defining Moments, here's what I want to do. I'm going to speak to you from this thought, my greatest moment, my greatest moment. And as I begin this series, I want to start by just kind of examining why am I doing this series? What was the trigger? What What was my thought process as I began to craft this series together several months ago? And here, here's kind of the overarching theme of this entire series is we all have moments in life that define us. They define our future, that, that, that dramatically changed the course of our life. Sometimes what happened was for the bad or for the good, but it, but, but it changed the course of our life. And what I want to do is throughout this series, I want to help you to have some defining moments that will positively impact the course of your life, that will positively, to positively impact the direction of your life. And let me help you better understand what a defining moment is and is it. If I was to do a survey today and I was to ask you, what are two of the most memorable events of your life so far, two of the most Memorable events and there'd be a wide variety of answers some of you would go back to childhood and you would talk about a Christmas that you you really remember and maybe you got your first bicycle and it was just it was one of those fond memories and and so some of you would say you know I remember for me it was you know graduating high school or it was graduating from college or it was my very first job I, I just have a great memory of that or some of you would say my my wedding day or or my my, my birth of my children or, or my first child it was just one one of the most incredible memories I've ever had. Some of you would say, going on a vacation, going to see the Grand Canyon, or going to Disney World, and you would, it, would just, it was fond memories, one of the most mem- memorable moments of your life. And what I want you to understand is that a memorable moment is not necessarily a defining moment. Now, defining moments, obviously they they are incredible memories and you you remember and it impacts your life and your memory, but a defining moment is one of those moments that literally changes the course of your life, that changes the direction of your life. It's not just a fond memory, it's not just getting a bicycle, but it literally changed the entire course of your life. And what I wanna do throughout this series is I want to share with you four of my biggest, of my greatest defining moments that literally changed the entire course of my life. I was headed in one direction, and I had a defining moment, and it changed the course of my life. I'll say it to you like this. Because of those four defining moments that I'm going to talk about the next four weeks, I am who I am today. They were defining moments, and here's my goal. My goal, my hope, my prayer is that throughout this series, every single person would have at least one defining moment. Some of you are going to have several, but you would have one defining moment that changes the course of your life, of your marriage. Of your dating relationship it changes the course of your financial life of your career would change the the course of your parenting of of perhaps being a grandparent would change the course of your relationship with god one defining moment can change the entire course of your life and today i'm going to share with you four stages that led to the greatest moment of my life four stages That led to the greatest moment of my life. And as I do that, I'm going to also talk about a Bible story. It was a young man in the Bible who has a very similar story to me. And I want to use his story as a backdrop as I share my greatest moment. Stage one, four stages today. Stage one is this, I did it my way. Has anybody ever done that before? Come on, I'm going to do it my way. that, That was my first stage. That led to my defining moment is I did it my way. Let's just check out this young man in the, in the Bible. Jesus tells a story of two men, two, two boys and, and, and their father. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. There's his son, the Bible says, who's living in his father's home. And all of his needs are taken care of by his father. His father is such a, a kind father, a loving father, a, 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 a providing father that, that his father decided to set aside some money, to set aside some investments so that he could leave his two sons an inheritance when he died. And one day, the younger son came to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And he was not supposed to receive his share of the estate until he died. And so he was basically saying to his father, Father, I know that you're kind. I know that you're loving. I know that you're a provider. But I want to live life as though you're dead. Because you're just pretty much dead to me. So can I just have my stuff and go? And the father gave him his share of the estate. And the Bible says that the son left the father's house. And, and the scripture says something interesting. It, it says that the, the young man didn't just go across town to live, but the young man was in such rebellion that he wanted to get as far away as possible from his father. So the scripture says that he went to a distant country. I, I want some big-time distance between me and my father because I'm going to do it my way. And the Bible says that he began to live a wild life. He began to live a loose life. He began to sow his wild oats. He began to have a little fun and do it his way. And I relate a lot to to this young man and this story because it was my freshman and sophomore year of of high school where I kind of made the decision I was going to do it my way. And I grew up in a little town called Wewoka, Oklahoma. And I, I, I can remember when growing up and, and going to church as a kid. I mean, I went to church some as a kid. My, 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 my dad and mom would take me sometimes to church. And I remember the, the, the church bus would come by our neighborhood on a weekly basis. And as a kid, I can remember me, my brother and sister, getting on that church bus frequently and, and go, going to church and showing up and going to Sunday school and going to church. And I remember growing up hearing Bible stories learning some things about God, learning about church, singing, singing songs to God. And, and, and yet I found myself, my, my, my freshman and sophomore year, even though I knew the right things to do, I decided I was going to do it my way. I decided my way was a little better, and, and so, so, so I, I decided I don't want God. I don't want church. I didn't want anything to do with God, and I began to sow my wild oats. I began to, to chase the girls. I began to, to, to do things I had no business doing. I, I began to, to, to listen to things I shouldn't be listening to and watching things I shouldn't be watching and looking at things I shouldn't be looking at. I was, I was sowing my wild oats. I was having fun. You see, can I tell you something about sin? Sin can be fun. And if if you didn't realize that sin can be fun, you haven't sinned right. (laughs) Because because sin can, can be fun. That's why people do it. That's why they get enticed. That's why they... They get lured into sin because it can, be, it can be fun. And the scripture talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25. When, when it describes Moses, it says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy fun. To enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. To enjoy, to have fun. But notice that word, the fleeting Pleasures of sin. It only lasts for a little while. Sin only lasts for a season, the fun of it. And some of you know where you are? You're enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. You're having fun. You're sowing your wild oats. You're having a good time. You're living it up. You're the life of the party. And here's the truth of the matter sin is fun, but it's also blinding. It's fun. But it's blinding. The Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Notice that blinded, they can't see. They're blinded. It says, So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Blinded. I I have a disease, and I I don't talk about it uh, very often. I don't share it very often, but but I do have a disease that hinders me, and it it kind of holds me back in in life some. And, and and the disease some of you may have heard of this. It's a disease called myopia. How many of you have heard of the disease called myopia? There, there's there's some of you have that, and some of you are trying to figure out is it cancer? What do you have, Pastor? And but but listen to me. This disease, uh, another way to say it in, in a more common language besides myopia, a little bit more up-to-date vernacular to, to what we're use, used to using as common language every day would be, I'm nearsighted. I'm short-sighted. I, I can't see well from a distance. Uh, matter of fact, it's great preaching because I just can't see you, and so I just preach. I just <laughs> preach. Preach, preacher. Oh, You're out there. Good, good. Good. Now, so, so I have to wear contacts. I have my contacts in now. I, I, if you see me sometimes, I'll be wearing gla- I wear glasses because... Because of, of, of this disease, myopia. And so, so from a distance, things are out of focus. I can't see them clearly. I, I can't see a stop sign a block or two. away. I just can't see it. I, I struggle with my, my sight. And, and what, what happens to people when, when you go your own way, when you decide I'm going to do it my way, when you decide to leave Father's house, when you decide that I'm going to just live in sin and do it my way, you develop spiritual myopia. And you just can't see down the road. You can't you can't see the future. You see, you see, you leave Father's house and you think, I'm just going to have a good time. But but the issue is, is you you can't see three blocks away that you're headed for devastation. You've got spiritual myopia. You can't see that two blocks away. Your, your life is headed for and you're gonna destroy your life two blocks away because you've got spiritual myopia. You're blinded, the Bible says. You can see, but just a block away, you're getting ready to hit a roadblock and have. Have chaos but you can't see it because of spiritual myopia you're, you're, you're blinded and that, that leads me to stage two of my life stage two is this of, of my greatest moment stage two is I got in a mess I, I got in a a mess and the Bible talks about this young man in Luke 15 and, and verse 13 and describes his mess it says not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered or wasted his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, notice that, spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him Anything. The, the, the Bible is really interesting. It says he spent everything he had in wild living, and he began to be in need. He was homeless, hungry, and humiliated. He was feeding pigs. That, that was his job, and you have to understand from, from the Jewish culture, the Jewish perspective, you have to really understand this culture to see what's really, what's really transpiring here. And, and that is this, this was disgraceful for this young man. You see, the Jewish people, they, they, they didn't eat pork. They didn't eat pigs. Pigs were considered unclean. They, they, they were disgusting. you don't touch pigs, you stay away from them. And this young man is at such a low point in his life. He is in such a mess that he is having to take care of pigs and touch them on a daily basis and he finds himself so hungry that not only does he want to eat the pig, he wants to eat, he wants to eat the pig's food. He's in bad shape. And can I tell you when he left home he had spiritual myopia. He was going to have a good time, but he never dreamed. He'd be in a pig pen, spent everything, and starving to death, he lost everything. You see, friends, sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. You you always end up in a mess. And that's my story. I decided I was gonna do it my way and was chasing the girls and sowing my wild oats, having fun. But I had spiritual myopia. I I never realized that I was gonna end up addicted. I, I, I didn't I had no clue I was gonna be addicted and bound and looking at stuff I had I shouldn't have been looking at and trapped. Engaging in an activity I had no business engaging in. And lying to my parents and lying to my friends and deceiving young ladies. I, I just had no idea that that, that, that I would literally be, be doing things I thought was so much fun and wake up empty. Wonder, how did I get it? What am I doing? I just just had no idea that that the fun that I was after and and doing my own thing and sowing my wild oats, I had no idea it would leave me in a mess. And some of you can relate to my story. You, You can relate to the prodigal son's story because your story is this. Sin has taken me further than I wanted to go. It's kept me longer than I wanted to stay. And Lord knows it's cost me way more than I wanted to pay. And you find yourself addicted. You you find yourself with a drug habit or alcohol addiction or a gambling addiction or a spending addiction, a shopping addiction, and just got yourself in major debt, or you find yourself harming yourself, taking pills, that just trying to cope with the pain, or you find yourself cutting yourself, and some of you find yourself in sexual sin and trapped and bound. You find yourself bound by pornography. You, you find yourself lying to the very people that you say you love so much. You find yourself living a double life. And with, with this group of people, you live one way, but behind closed doors, you live another way. And then when you're with this group of people, you live an entirely different way. You, you just find, you say, how did I get here? And, and, and even at the beginning of a new year, you, you know, I know how this feels. Some of you at the very beginning of this year, you're thinking to yourself, it's 2016, and I'm not even excited about it. Because my life is on a downward spiral. And 2016 already looks a lot like 2015. It looks like it's going to be a lot like 2014 and 2013. You start thinking, you know, Pastor, if I'm honest with you, I'm in trouble with the law. I'm fighting with my family all the time. And it's really my sin and my guilt. Right now, Pastor, in the beginning of 2016, my life is falling apart. I'm, I'm having... Spiritual myopia, and, and I'm starting to see that, that sin has taken me further than I wanted to go. It cost me more than I wanted to pay. And it kept me longer than I wanted to stay. That's what it always does. Ephesians chapter 4 describes this. It describes this whole whole sin and how it blinds us and takes us further than we ever wanted to go. Here's what the scripture says. I mean, just just, just a clear picture in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, now, how many of you realize that when people are hopelessly confused, they don't know that they're hopelessly confused? See, see, see. When Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus, and he was writing, and he said, "Listen, the the, the, the Gentiles that they're hopelessly confused. The Gentiles that he they didn't know that he was talking about them, and that they were hopelessly confused. They were having fun." Hey. He's like they don't even know it. They're hopelessly confused. Verse 18 says, their minds are full of darkness. They have spiritual myopia. They're living in darkness. When you live in darkness, you can't see. He says, they wander far from the life God gives. They have closed their minds. They can't see and harden their hearts against him. Man, I've been there before. Verse 19 says, they have no sense of shame. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been, I have, you ever been in a place when, when, when you said, you looked at stuff and you said, boy, I'll never do that. Oh my gosh, people live like that, they do that. And then all of a sudden you find yourself there. And you find yourself doing stuff you said you would never do. And then you find yourself bragging about it. You have no sense of shame. I found myself there doing stuff I said that was nasty I would never do. And now I'm bragging about it. And that's what the enemy will do. He'll take you to places you never thought you would go. And you'll find yourself with no sense of shame. And you know that you're there, that you have no sense of shame when you put it on Facebook. Hey! Hey! Like, like, you're going to want a job one day. And you got that out there. You're going to want a husband one day. You're going to want a wife one day. I didn't say a freak. I said you're going to want a wife. And that's what you got. Spiritual myopia. It'll have you at a place where you have no sense of shame. And notice what the scripture goes on to say. It says they live. In other words, they wake up every single day with this desire. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Because running away from God will always leave you in a mess. It will always take you further than you want to go cost you more than you want to pay and keep you longer than you want to stay and i'm a living witness i know from experience stage number three stage three stage three is this i came to my senses i came to my senses i want you to notice this in this young man's life in luke 15 verse 17 it says when he came to his senses In the middle of that pig pen, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? Listen to me, church. This was a defining moment. All of a sudden, in the middle of this pig pen, this young man came to his senses, and and, and he had a defining moment that changed the entire course of his life. He began to see things clearly. You see, when you have spiritual myopia, you leave father's house. You think, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to party. I'm going to sow wild oats. There won't be anything bad that happens to me. But all of a sudden, when you start coming to your senses, you start to see things a little clearer. The glasses may not be all the way on, but you're thinking, hey, I think I'm seeing things differently. And this young man began to come to his senses, and he began to see things differently. And, And he began to realize, you know what? The decisions I've made have not been good ones. I've made some decisions that got me in a pig pen, starving to death. And so you start viewing your life different. You start viewing your sin differently. You, you, you start seeing things clearly. When you come to your senses, you start viewing Father's house differently. I mean, he, he, he left Father's house thinking, I don't need you. I'm wrong. I'll do what I want to do. You can't tell me anything. Now, all of a sudden, he, he, the spiritual myopia is lifting him. He's thinking... Daddy's house doesn't look that bad. Brother's hungry. Daddy had food left over to spare. I mean, he, come on, come on. There's nothing like coming to your senses. Because you just start to see things differently. You start to see more more clearly when you come to your senses. And and Isaiah describes this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I mean, spiritual myopia has lifted. They were walking in darkness, but they came to their senses and have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And I'll never forget when I came to my senses. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was a singer in high school. Living wild, chasing the girls. Addicted, bound. And it was Thursday night, after football practice, I was invited to go to a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting. I didn't care anything about God. I didn't care anything about church. I didn't care anything about Christian athletes. It just, I had no interest or desire at all. I was doing my thing, I was doing my thing. And there was a recruiter from Brown University from the football program coming to recruit me to play at their school in the Ivy League school on the, on the East Coast. He was supposed to meet with me and my dad that Thursday night. And we're excited, I'm excited, cleaning the house, all prepared, ready for the college recruiter to come. And and he called me that night and said, Herbert, I I can't make it tonight. I'm stuck in Oklahoma City. I'll get down tomorrow morning and pull you out of class and spend some time with you and talking to you about our program. So I was bummed and a little disappointed. And I remember they were having the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, that I had no interest in going at all. And the only reason I went is because I remembered that they were serving free pizza. And so that night, I went to the locker room, didn't care about God, didn't care about anything. I went with my bass pumping, listening to some crazy music, didn't care anything about God. Went there for free pizza. And that night, I sat on a football locker after eating my pizza, and Todd Thompson, the former kicker for the Oklahoma Sinners, he sat in a chair, and he shared the gospel. And he said something to the effect of, listen, God loves you. And he sent his son Jesus down the cross for you. He has a plan for your life. He wants to forgive you. You don't have to continue to live like you're living. He has a plan for you. And I can't tell you what happened to everybody else in that locker room. But that night in that locker room, I began to come to my senses. For the first time in my life, I began to see clearly. I began to see that the decisions that I'm making are going to lead me down a road that I don't desire to be on. I'm going to end up at a place that I don't want to be. I just began to see clearly the, 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 what I'm doing, trying to be a playboy, chasing the girls, the parties. I began to see clearly for the first time. And that night in the football locker room as a senior in high school, captain on the football team, I didn't care what anybody else thought that night. Tears began to stream down my face. It was a defining moment. And I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I am where I am today because of one defining moment in a football locker room when I said yes to Jesus. I came to my senses number four is this stage four stage four stage four is this i went home i want to talk to you about my story i I went home before i get to my story listen to the prodigal son it says in luke 15 verse 18 i will set out and go back to my father he's in the middle of the pig pen he comes to his senses how many know you can be in the middle of sin and god god can grab a hold of you right where you are And he said, I'm going to go home. And he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In verse 20, I love this. So he got up and went to his father. It was a defining moment. He went to his father. He He was in the pig pen. It was a defining moment that changed the entire course of his life. He left the pig pen. He left hunger. He left addiction. He left pain. He left rebellion. He humbled himself. He admitted he was wrong. He realized for the very first time, I need my father. I need my father. And the scripture goes on to say, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It it says when the father saw him, the the son had left the pig pen. He was a long ways off, hungry, probably could barely, barely walk. And the father saw him a long ways off. And the Bible says the father took off running to meet his son, met him, hugged him, and kissed him. Here's what I want you to know. I'm a living witness. If you'll take one step towards God, he'll come running your direction. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to forgive you. He has a plan for you. And that night in that football locker room, I took a step towards God, and God flooded me with his mercy and his grace and his forgiving power, tears streaming down my face. I said, yes, Lord, I'm yours. That that Sunday, I went to church. I was water baptized. I got in a small group, and I'll never forget studying Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby, by Henry Blackaby. I began to grow in my faith and shortly after coming to Christ, my youth pastor, Jimmy Reynolds. Jimmy, I know sometimes you watch online. If you're watching right now, I love you. Thank you for believing in me. And Jimmy asked me to preach to the youth group and share my story. And that night, I, I prepared and I prepared a message and it was off a of Whitney Houston song. Not the songs you're thinking about. She had a Christian one. And I began to preach that song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Oh, there was no band. I didn't have anything like that. I played I played it on a cassette tape, preached. And that, that night, I remember Jimmy talking to me that night and several days later. I began to say, Herbert, God's hands on you in a unique way. God's going to do something special in your life. He's going to use you in a great way. And that night, and I began to wrestle with, I think I'm called to preach. And I can't believe, I come from a little town in Oklahoma, we woke up, with 4,000 people or so. And I cannot believe that I have traveled almost to every state in America preaching the gospel traveled around the world preaching in front of thousands of packed arenas preaching the gospel sing lives changed been married to my lovely wife for 18 years have four precious kids I get to pastor a church with three locations and one one out of state I, I, I wake up and I pinch myself I'm like God how did this happen and it all started in a football locker room It was a defining moment that changed the entire course of my life. I was headed in one direction, but oh, I said, Lord, have your way. I surrender. And I changed courses, and I wake up today, 23 years later, and I can tell you, defining moments are real, and they'll change the entire course of your life. And I believe today. God wants to give some of you a defining moment.